Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love and your care. We thank you that no matter where we're at in our lives, no matter what's going on, we can always arise and go to you. And in fact, we'll discover we don't have to go very far because you are right there waiting for us. We thank you, Jesus, for that. And as we open your word today, I pray that you'll clear our thoughts and our minds, help us to hear what you would have to say to us, put the distractions aside and focus on you. In your name we pray, amen. I want to uh, talk to you this morning about summer spirituality, or rather, something that some of you may have experienced in your lives, I know I've experienced at times, what I would refer to as the summer spiritual slump. Now when I thought about this, during, uh, during the week, when I thought about this, I wondered, is this only me that has this summer spiritual slump? So I went to, uh, uh, to the Google machine, so to speak, and you know, that's where you get all accurate information, of course, Google, and uh, I typed in, I Googled summer spiritual slump, and I discovered, I discovered that actually I'm not the only one that experiences this. In fact, there's tons of, of uh, responses to this, and there's blogs written about the summer spiritual slump. I have found that in my life, and maybe you found this as well, that the hardest times to, to stay fully engaged in my spiritual walk are, are during vacations or summertime often. Uh, routine, discipline is an important part of our spiritual journey, and summertime is anything but routine, am I right? It's anything but routine. One day, you're going to the lake, the next day you're going to a baseball game. Around here there's so many free museums and so the next day you're going to a museum. You and your kids probably go to bed just a little bit later. Anyone go to bed a little bit later during the summertime? A few of you. We go to bed just a little bit later. The days are nicer, it's warmer into the evening. It's, it's, it's nice to stay up just a little bit longer and so, which makes it harder to get up in the morning and to get into our routine and the discipline of our day and, and, of our, and of our worship time. Or maybe you are still able to get up, but it's so nice outside and you know the, the humidity and the heat is coming. And so you said, well, I want to I wanna get outside early so I can work in the garden. Or I want to get outside so that I can get a little bit of that exercise. The summertime is the time to, to shed a few of those extra pounds because I know winter's coming. And, uh, and I'll store up the the. the the food then, but right now I need to, to get out and get some exercise. And before you know it, your routine's gotten all out of whack, and, and before you know what is happening, you're in that summer spiritual slump. You've been in that summer spiritual slump. And then the slump begins to grow. Because even though we speak of summertime as having a summer break, I think the majority of us, especially those of us who are adults, can testify that summertime is anything but a break. Can I get an amen to that? It is anything but a break. In fact, uh, studies show this to actually be true. I looked, on, uh, I, I again Googled it, I looked, and, and there's actually studies out there that, that show that a large percentage of people, especially moms, report that the summer season is their most stressful time of the year. 
is the most stressful time of the year. They're planning for vacations. They just have their kids home more in general. They may still be working and trying to do all these other things at once. And so summertime is this, this stressful time, and, and we're out of our habit. We're out of our routine. We're, we're maybe neglecting some of the things spiritually that we used to do. And we find that there's just this slump that is, that is taking place that, that begins to come over us. Now, probably many of us dismiss this spiritual slump of the summer or these, this, this, this lack of routine because we're so accustomed to it over the years and, and we ignore it and we may even act as if it, it doesn't really matter. And we, we may say things to ourselves like, like, well, as soon as I get back to my routine, I'll be fine, I'll be okay. Or we say, you know what, I... I, I know that, that, that this, is, this is something I need to work on, but, but, but I will get to it later. I want you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Exodus chapter 4. The book of Exodus chapter 4. And in the book of Exodus chapter 4, there's a seemingly random story. It's actually quite a, a, a graphic story. A story that probably you'll ask yourselves, what does this have anything to do with, with summer vacation or, or summer spirituality? But just hold on and we'll, we'll show you that. Exodus chapter 4. We'll set the context first by looking at verses 18 uh, through 20. Exodus chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses, in Mid uh, and the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who are seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took a staff, the staff of God, in his hand. Moses was born and raised in Egypt, but he had had to flee from Egypt when he killed another, uh, an Egyptian man trying to defend a fellow Hebrew. He thought this was going to somehow serve God's purpose in some grand way, and he, it backfired on him. It backfired on, on his plans, and so he, was, he, was, uh, he, he had to flee Egypt, and he had no intention of ever going back to Egypt. Forty years have now gone by, and of course the story is, that, that, and, and, and what the Bible tells us happened, is that, the, that there was a burning bush, and, and God was in the midst of that burning bush, and Moses was encountered by God, and God told him to go back to Egypt. And so now Moses has accepted this call. He's, he's received the blessing of his father-in-law to go back to Egypt, and he is on his way back there. And right in this middle of this story, this, this story about this call to, to return to Egypt, is this dramatic, gory, intense, and, and, and in some ways seemingly out-of-place story. Turn, look at chapter 4 of Exodus and verse 24. At, the lodging, at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Moses, you are my chosen man. I want you to go back and I want you to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt. Lord, I really don't want to go. No, you are going to go. Lord, I can't speak. I will help you to speak. Lord, I, I, uh, Pharaoh will never listen to me. I really can't speak. Okay, I'll have someone speak on your behalf. Lord, I really can't do this. You are to go. I want you to go. Okay, Lord, I relent. I submit. I will go. I'm on my way. The Lord comes. Now I'm going to kill you. Wait a second. Weren't you just sending me 
to Egypt? The Bible says they stopped at a place and the Lord sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah, Moses' wife, took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin. They had two sons and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, so let him alone. It was then that she said, A bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Catch this picture. Moses, his wife, and their two boys are sleeping in some uh, hotel or motel of the era. A shadow, a person, a being of some sort comes over Moses and, and is seeking to take his life, is ready to slay him. And Zipporah wakes up with a start in some way and, and, and somehow she knows what is wrong, whether God gave her divine insight or she just, she just had this sense in her heart that they needed to do this. And she grabs one of her sons, probably her youngest son, or I assume her youngest son, and she circumcises him. And just like that, Moses' life is spared. A very random and weird story. Go to Egypt. Okay, Lord, I'm going. I'm going to take your life. Okay, now you're good. Get on your way again. Just very odd and out of place. It's almost as if, as if this didn't happen. The very next line there in verse 27, the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness and meet Moses. There's no explanation. There's no uh, uh, commentary on this happening. Boom, I'm gonna take your life. Okay, your son's circumcised. We're gonna move on our way. Moses must have known the covenant sign of, the, of circumcision from Genesis chapter 17. After all, he is the writer of Genesis, the book of Genesis. He understood that the circumcision was an act that was a symbol of the Hebrews' commitment and faith and trust in God. I also believe that he must have known because there was only one son that needed circumcision. So, so in my mind, the other son, as I read this, I, I interpret this to mean that the other son was actually circumcised. For one of Moses's and Sephora's two boys, this covenant act, this, this, this spiritual discipline had been neglected. Maybe they said to themselves, when we get back home and we get back into our routine, we'll take care of it then. Or maybe they said to themselves, you know, it doesn't really matter right now. We have other things that are going on, other things that are more pressing, other things that are, that are keeping us busy, and, and, and we'll, we'll do it later. We'll take care of it later. We circumcise the other one, and, and we haven't really seen much change. We'll, we'll, we'll worry about the other one. We'll get around to it later. It doesn't really matter. I'm afraid the summer spirituality slump comes from a very similar attitude. The idea that these disciplines that God has put into our lives, these, 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 these practices that God has put into our lives to help us to, to stay connected to him, to grow to him, to, to build our relationship with him, I'm afraid that the same attitude that maybe said that Moses and Zipporah had of saying, you know, it doesn't really matter or we'll get to it later, that same attitude is what leads us leads us to saying, you know what? When I get back to my routine in the fall or when my kids get back to school, I'll get back to my time with the Lord. But let us always be careful. Let us always be careful of that voice that whispers to us, it doesn't matter or you can do it later when it comes to the things and the disciplines of God. Zipporah and Moses and their son, they found out quickly that the things that we may think we can put off till later or that 
that don't really matter in the moment, that they matter quite a great deal. I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. The book of Ephesians chapter 5. Galatians, Ephesians chapter 5, what Esther read for us today. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. Paul here is writing uh, and saying, Husbands, love your wives. But then I want us to focus on the phrases after that. Although husbands, do love your wives. That will actually help your summer slump not to be so bad as well. Uh, but husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. That she might be holy and without blemish. Y'all, this text isn't, in this text, Jesus isn't talking about loving a building. He's talking about loving you. And in this text, Jesus isn't talking about uh, dying for a structure or a facility, no matter how beautiful it is and no matter how wonderful the stained glass are or no matter how wonderful the organ is. He isn't talking about dying for a building. He's talking about dying for you. When Jesus talks about the church in this text and he talks about cleaning it and making it holy and 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 making it shine and pristine. He isn't talking about making sure the, the new bathrooms, which by the way, we love our new bathrooms, right? He's not talking about the new bathrooms being shine and pristine. He's not talking about polishing the pews. He's, he's, he's talking about making you and I clean and pure and holy. Jesus is talking about us. Jesus is talking about the people. So that you, the church, not the, not the physical structure, not the building, but so that you, the church, are a presentation, a representation of Jesus Christ himself. Of Jesus Christ himself. The summertime slump matters, and the reason why we should avoid the summertime slump is because even though many of us will be away from this building and away from this structure and maybe even away from anybody that knows us, we are still, no matter where we are at, we are still the church. We are always the church. You are always the representation of the one who loved you and died for you and clean, is cleaning you and making you holy. The church is not this building. The church is you and me. And so avoiding the summertime slump matters as we are representations. We are the church wherever we are, wherever we may be, and whoever we are around. So how can we avoid this slumber, summertime slump? Four ways to help us stave off the slump and then I'll sit down because summer sermons should be shorter as well because we want to get outside and enjoy the outdoors. So four ways. On the back of your connection card, four spiritual disciplines for our summer. Four spiritual disciplines for our summer. The first is, of course, our prayer life, related to our prayer life. Well, we may say, well, but that's the whole point is, is we struggle to, to keep up with our prayer life during the summer. Well, something that maybe could help us, and that's why I put that there, is, is to, to be intentional about interceding in some particular area. I was reading actually from the compilation from the LNG White Estate this week, 
the book uh, Prayer, and I was reading through, uh, through that book, and I came upon the chapter on intercessory prayer. And there's a number of points that she makes in there about, about the blessing of intercessory prayer, not just for others, but how when we're praying for others or we're praying for something else, that it also is a blessing to us as well. And so maybe one way in which we can, we can be, uh, stay faithful in our prayer lives this summer is by asking God to put something on our hearts that we can pray for every single day. Is there something going on in one of your child's lives? Is there, is there some area in which you would like to see uh, uh, growth in your, in your marriage or in your workplace that you could focus on and begin to place before the Lord as a matter of prayer? Is there something that you know that's coming up down the road in the fall season that you can, can begin to put before the Lord as a matter of prayer? Right now, for me, one of the things that I'm praying about is we're having our evangelism again in September, and that's going to be starting September 10th, and we're going to have uh, another evangelistic series. And so my heart is already beginning to intercede for that and to intercede for you as you begin to invite people. Are, are, is there maybe someone that you think that you want to invite to that, and you can begin to intercede for them. Sometimes when we just are trying to, to our prayer lives can, can become uh, just rushed through and, 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 and lack intentionality and purpose uh, in the busyness of life. But maybe if we know that there's something specifically I need to pray for, it'll help us to slow down for just a few minutes every day to focus and be more intentional in our prayers. There's something you could even write down and say, okay, Lord, this summer, this is what I'm going to pray for, and I'm going to focus on this for my children, for myself, for my wife, for my husband, for my church, whatever it may be. A second area in which we need to focus and say, oh, Lord, Lord, I'm not gonna say this doesn't matter. I'm not gonna put this aside. I'm not gonna neglect this to the fall is our daily Bible reading. Now, maybe because of the busyness of the schedule and maybe because you're gonna be intense or in hotel rooms or whatever it may be, maybe you can't have your, your normal lengthy devotional time or journaling time that you normally have or you do at other times of the year. But, but all of us still have some time each day that we can give to spending time in the word of the Lord, spending time in, in, in Bible study. And so, so maybe you can, again, there's something that you can do to, to help become more focused. You say, Lord, I want to commit to you this summer that I'm going to read through this book of the Bible. I would encourage you maybe to pick one of the Gospels. For me, it's going to be Luke or, or John, probably both. But, but Luke or John, if you just pick one of those, it's actually less than a chapter a day that you can read over the course of the summer. But daily, you can still be connecting. What is maybe a book of the Bible you could write down even right now and say, God, you know what, I'm going to spend some time this summer focused on reading through that. I'm gonna pray for this specific thing. I bet you if you pray for that specific thing, God will begin, and you're focused on that, God will begin to put other things in your mind to pray for. Or I'm gonna focus on reading through this book of the Bible this summer and, and really understanding who you are and what you're communicating in this way. One chapter a day or maybe even less, depending on the book of the Bible. But set your mind to it. Say, God, give me, give me the strength to be faithful in this. A third area in which we need to be mindful so that we don't fall into this summer spiritual slump, and that is, this is in regards to being faithful stewards of the resources in which God's, God gives us. Spiritual, uh, giving is a spiritual discipline. It's not something that Vern doesn't just stand up and, and make the offering appeal today just because we want your money. At least I hope that's not the reason why he, he does that. We do it. And the reason we are called to give is because 
giving is a spiritual discipline. It helps to grow us and strengthen our lives. I know that this is one of the areas, actually, especially when I was younger and before there was online giving, uh, this was one of the areas in which I know that during the summer was one of the the larger struggles because I'd be away from, from whatever church I was a part of and I wasn't being reminded on a consistent basis to give and I wasn't in my same routine and, and I may be out of town when my check would come in and I would just kind of forget about, about giving. And I would think to myself sometimes when I would be in the midst and I'd think, oh, I need to give. Oh, well, I'll make it up when I get back in the fall. You know, so weeks or months or something could even go by. Now, I don't know about you, but what I found that, 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 that even though with the best of intentions, I plan to make it up, that's awful hard. You know? And sometimes we may say, well, it doesn't really matter. I have other expenses during the summer. Has anyone else noticed that, that summers, maybe this is another reason why they, so many people report that summer is one of the most stressful times of year. Anyone else notice that summer has a lot of expenses that you didn't always anticipate? Anyone discover that? in your life, that little trip became that bigger trip and that bigger trip and, and so on and so forth. And it's easy to neglect somewhat our faithful stewardship. But I wanna say that it is always, it is always important to be faithful to God with our pocketbooks, whether we're here at church or whether we are somewhere else. There are, of course, now modern ways through online giving that you can give, or I'd encourage you even, you can give your tithe. I hope the conference doesn't get mad at me about this, but if you're in another church, you know, the faithfulness to God is what we are asking for and what God calls us to be faithful to him first and foremost. So I wanna encourage you that to do that in your practices. And then the last area in which I believe that can really lift us out of our spiritual slump of the summer that sometimes the malaise that can happen in our spiritual walks is that we look for opportunities to witness and to serve others. And you would be surprised at how the littlest act can actually lift you and, and give you just joy in the moment and, and refocus your eyes and your mind and your heart on Jesus and his calling on your life and, and, and lift you maybe out of that slump. And as you look for these opportunities, God will bless. So I'll give you a quick little story about this. Uh, Christine and I had just gotten married and we were... Uh, we had just gotten married. We'd gone on our honeymoon. We'd, we'd gone back to California. We packed up our U-Haul. We went over to SoCal Camp Meeting for a Sabbath, just really quickly over to SoCal Camp Meeting for a Sabbath and uh, before we drove cross-country to go to Berrien Springs, Michigan for my seminary. And we were there at SoCal Camp Meeting, and Dwight Nelson was preaching a sermon. And Dwight uh, uh, preached a sermon on on giving or on, on uh, helping the poor. And he made this statement in his thing. He said, we are called to give when anyone asks us to give. Now, he said, you don't have to give exactly what they ask for. Someone may say, you know, can I have a dollar? And you may not have a dollar, but you can still give a quarter. He said, I used to get away with, uh, he said, I used to kind of rationalize it when someone would say, do you have a dollar? And I'd say, no, I don't have a dollar because really I didn't actually have a dollar. But I knew I had a $5 or I knew I had a a quarter or 50 cents or whatever it may be, but I didn't have an actual dollar. And so I'd say, no, I don't have a dollar, or do you have any change? And I'd say, no, I don't have change, because I knew I didn't have a change, I only had paper bills. And he said, so I used to rationalize it by getting away with it, but he said, anytime someone asks you to give, you don't have to give what they ask for, but God invites us to always give something. And so we just heard this sermon, just randomly, and Christine and I got into our, got into the car, we attached the little U-Haul that we had, and we began to make the, the cross-country slog across to 
uh, to Michigan. And we were going down on the 40. We were actually going to cut up through. Go, we went the southern route so we could cut up uh, through Tennessee and those places and see some friends that were there. But we were somewhere in the middle of nowhere, somewhere in Oklahoma or something. And we got off on this little podunk exit to get some gas. And we were getting back onto the, the, uh, onto the on-ramp, onto the highway. And really, there was nothing around. And there was this one guy standing there with this sign. And it said he needed to get to somewhere. And it said, anything will help. And I saw the sign. And I, Christina, obviously, after... Uh, as we chatted, she saw the sign as well. But we both saw it. We looked out the window, and we saw this guy with that sign, anything will help, need to get to wherever it was. And we pull onto the freeway, and we're driving down this, this highway in Oklahoma in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and, and the Holy Spirit must have been working on both of us because almost at the same time, we turned to each other and said, I think we should turn around. And we both knew what we were talking about. She's like, were you thinking of Dwight's sermon? I was like, yes, I was thinking of Dwight's sermon. She's like, I said, we don't have anything. She's like, I know, but whatever we have, we, you know, we have something we could give. And so we l literally drove along until we found another exit, which was a little ways down, and we turned around and drove all the way back, all the way back down this exit, back, back down to this exit, got off the road and pulled off and, and then flipped a Yui and then pulled up next to this gentleman that was saying, anything will help, need to get to wherever it was they need to get help to. And we gave him just like a couple bucks. I mean, we didn't have almost anything. It probably cost us in gas the amount to make that U-turn that we, that we gave him. But man, the moment we gave him that, did that little tiny act of service, I remember us both being just so happy. And we were, oh man, that felt good. And we were talking about it and we were laughing about it. And, and, and I remember almost nothing from that trip across country nearly 13 years ago. I'll be married 13 years in 12 days, July 13th. So, uh, hey, I was married on July 13th, and, uh, and it'll be 13 years this year, so it's going to be a, a it must be a great, it's going to be a great year, because I figure if 13's unlucky for everybody else, it has to be lucky for somebody. So I've chosen that that's my number. So, anyways... But we were, I remember really nothing else about driving along I-40. Uh, I remember we got a flat tire, but I can barely even recall the details of that. I couldn't even tell you what state we were in when that happens. And yet I know where we were, and I know the details of that one little act of service. Why? Because there's something about serving someone that just lifts you up. And so this summer, as we're, we're experiencing some of those doldrums, if we're looking for those opportunities to serve and do little kind acts of service and little opportunities to witness, those, those little things will be another thing that can help us Lift us out of our slump. God calls us. God calls us to be his church. Not just when we're here. Not just during the seasons in which our routine is stable and, and able to be well controlled and well managed. But God calls us to be his church at all times, in all places, no matter where we're at. In order to, to really be his, his church, we, we must recognize that, that we do not want to neglect those things in which draw us closer to him. Don't listen to that little voice that said, well, you know, you're really busy. It's the summertime. God understands it doesn't matter. Don't listen to that voice that says, well, you know, once you get back to your routine, then you can get back focused on this because right now it's okay. It doesn't matter. It does matter. It does matter. The story of Moses and Zipporah is a story that shows us that these little seemingly innocuous things that we may put off or may neglect, that they actually 
do matter. Now I pray and I believe and I hope that none of you will wake up with someone over you about ready to slay you. But even though the consequence may not be the same as it was with Moses and Zipporah, let us recognize that within our hearts, when we neglect this relationship with Christ, there's something that dies within us. There's relationship that is affected. There's, there's connection that is affected. And so let us be faithful this summer. Let us remember to, and ask God to help us to not neglect the disciplines that will continue to grow our relationship with him. When we come back in the fall, and by the way, we're here every week, so don't think that I'm asking you not to come back next week. But when we come back in the fall, we want us all to be in a healthy place, having fully recharged and connected from our summer with Jesus, not apart from Jesus, but with Jesus, so that as we continue our work, our evangelistic work in the fall and beyond, that he will use us and have our full capabilities to be used for his honor and his glory. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you so much. We thank you, that, as Mark told, that, that our name, followers of Jesus Christ, is not just here in this place, but that it goes with us wherever we go. And help us to remember that. Help us to remember that, that the church that you died for is not this, this structure that we sit in now. The church that you died for is myself and these people and many more around this world. Help us to remember that the church that you love is, is not the building, it is the hearts of each individual in this room. Help us to remember that the, the church that you clean, the church that you, that you polish, the church that you make a representation of you to this world is not this building. It is the people that walk in and out of this building and that call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. So Lord, this summer, may, us, may we not enter into that spiritual summer slump, but may we be faithful in the disciplines that you have called us to follow, faithful in prayer, faithful in study, faithful in giving, faithful in our witness. And may you receive all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. In your name, amen.